Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. Big opportunities and big needs. That is what Pastor Jaime Loya has seen in the Rio Grande Valley as well as across the country. Here, Pastor Loya and Doug share what God is doing in the midst of the border crisis and how we can all see God's love and mercy manifested when we step out in faith. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. You can also find our show notes there. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. Such a pleasure to have Pastor Jaime Loya, who's recognized by several organizations as one of the most significant and successful Hispanic pastors in the United States. And I would go as far as saying also, he's not just known in the Hispanic community, he is also known as a bridge builder. He's crossed many barriers and really is bringing the body of Christ together, crossing racial, denominational, generational lines. It's amazing what God has been doing in your life and ministry. I know you and your wife actually started Valley International Christian Center. It's now known as Cross Church in mm-hmm. 1995 and now you have multiple campuses and you're recognized by outreach magazine as one of america's 100 fastest growing churches i know that's not what you aspire to but that's what <laughs> god has done and amen the huge stewardship that comes with that so uh, i'm really blessed to have you today as our guest well thank you doug it's a pleasure and an honor to be on this podcast and to be able to share a little bit about our story, I hope that it encourages and inspires others. And obviously, we want to uh, motivate, right, those who are listening and just share the Word of God. Absolutely. Now, we're going to go into a moment of just your journey and how the journey continues. But you and I had been communicating over the last couple of years off and on, at least from the standpoint of what's happening in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, and regardless of people's opinions or perspectives on border issues. It is important. Obviously, we all believe that we should have any place should have secure borders and have proper immigration issues. But at the same time, there is a really humanitarian crisis that needs to be addressed. And it's mm-hmm. the church that needs to be a light that shines in the midst of these things. And And your church has been at the forefront, along with other friends of ours across the valley, that have really addressed this on this side of the border, as well as on the other side of the border, long before this crisis has begun. You were telling me that 700 people have given their lives to the Lord. Give us a little bit of a story of what preceded our conversation here mm-hmm. so that we can maybe get the word out to get people who will donate to help with Bibles, to help with other resources. I know we've been checking with various Christian publishers and seeing what we can do to get discounts, but we really are in need of Spanish Bibles and yeah. also Spanish devotionals. As in any crisis, there's always opportunity. And I think a crisis always presents us as believers an opportunity to share the message, the gospel, and the love of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we have been, as you said, at the forefront because we're right here along the border and our campus is spread throughout the entire Rio Grande Valley. And so for those of you who don't know where we're at, we're right along the border of South Texas, spanning from Brownsville all the way to Mission, Texas, which pretty much spans the valley and the entire border of South Texas. And as you've seen on the news, right, and don't believe everything you see on the news, obviously, or read on the internet, but you know, we've seen a tremendous influx 
of illegal immigrants flooding our borders and flooding the United States. And at one point, as many of you know, we literally actually had open borders and people were just coming from left and right and from all over. You know, I have border patrol agents here at the church who were a little bit even upset and saying, Pastor, we feel like we can't do our job. Our hands are tied. You know, we were trained to do a certain something and now we're being asked to stand down. And so it was a very difficult time. Obviously, it's not as bad now as it was maybe a year or two ago, but we're still seeing caravans of people come in all the time by the hundreds and sometimes by the thousands. It is a crisis. We want to see this as best we can as an opportunity. And so we're working on both sides of the border. We're working on the Mexican side with churches to provide much needed aid. We've given away Bibles. We've given away food. We've supported feeding programs through various churches, ministries, and organizations. And then we're also working on this side of the border. Now, it's a little difficult on this side because the government, they kind of want to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so they're very leery about letting churches and ministries come in and meddle, if you will, in their business. And so, but we were granted, Brother Doug, by the grace of Almighty God, an open door to these shelters where they are holding immigrant children. So all these children, teenagers, and, and I'm telling you, it's really a sad situation because you'll see a nine-year-old girl come with her two-year-old brother. And these children are being transported and sometimes taken captive and trafficked. So they're taking a tremendous risk to come over to the United States. But, you know, I've spoken to some of them and they say that they would rather take the risk than to continue to live in the conditions they're living in where they come from. So it's, it's like for them, it's a do or die, you know, situation. And so we're doing our best as a church to, again, you know, show the love of God, share the message of Jesus. So on this side of the border, you know, we actually have at multiple campuses, uh, immigrant children visit and frequent our Sunday morning services. Mm. So they visit our churches, and I don't know if they do any other churches. We have found a lot of grace and a lot of favor uh, because we've built bridges with them, you know, with the higher-ups, with the executives who run, if you will, the show. And so we actually have a lot of these children, and sometimes we'll have two, three hundred kids on any given Sunday scattered throughout our campuses. Obviously, they're grouped together in a special section and they're chaperoned, right, and supervised by their staff, but they come and hear the message. And I'm telling you, it touches our heart. It touches my heart. Let me just share a quick story as a testimony. I remember on one occasion, I saw the kids up in the stands, right, and the Lord told me, one time he said remember i told you you would preach to the nations and you know it just dawned on me because you know when god gives you a word sometimes you kind of 
try to figure out how it's going to happen. Well, I thought I was going to go to the nations, right? And maybe that'll still happen at some point. And I have traveled to many nations. But in this case, God brought the nations to us. There is about anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 nations represented on any given Sunday in our sanctuary, in our services, hearing the gospel, and many of them receiving Jesus Christ. So now going one step further, they've actually allowed us now to gain some access, limited access, but some access to go into the shelters and preach the gospel and offer baptism, offer child dedication. Some of these girls are teenage mothers. We're dedicating their children in the shelters to Jesus. And so we want to give them books. We want to give them Bibles. You know, they're only there for a temporary time before they're shipped off to either a family member or relative in the United States. And that's kind of how the process works. It's a very lengthy process. While they're here, we want to be a light shining in darkness. And so any prayers, any support that we can get, we'll we'll take all we can get at this point because there is a great opportunity and we're just seeing a manifestation of God's love and mercy. You know, you you said that word opportunity a few times, and I think that's very significant. So I want to address that. You know, Jesus said in Luke 21 and sharing, you know, obviously, regardless of people's eschatology, the point is when he talks about Luke 21, all these famines and pestilence and wars and rumors of wars and ethnos against ethnos and kingdom against kingdom. But he says in chapter 21, verse 13, in Jesus's own words, he says, but it will turn out as an occasion for your testimony or opportunity for your testimony. Amen. Amen. And so regardless of people's opinions and beliefs and eschatology, I think anytime there's a crisis, we've all been praying for revival. Mm-hmm. But this is a moment where you have a moment to give that seed of the gospel because it's still the power of the gospel still changes people. And especially with these children that will end up, and of course, you even alluded to this, some have been trafficked, and, and I've seen some of that, even pregnant women being trafficked. And, and so it's a very heartbreaking process to see these things happen in the midst of all the fodder that's out there and the narratives mm-hmm. that are being established. I've always said that those who tell the story define the narrative and create the history. Yeah. It's important at this time, regardless, is that the church creates the narrative. So we have a different history than what the world is trying to give us. And so this opportunity is to be able to give the gospel, give Bibles, give encouragement, healing, and hope, and pray that those seeds will last in the midst of whatever storms people are going through. One of the things that we really do need right now is Bibles, correct? Mm -hmm. And we need devotionals and other things. And I know from quite some time, you've been doing other outreaches as well, long before the last couple of years, been working on both sides of the border. And you alluded to another thing, that there's many nations, because most people's belief is that primarily a certain segment of people are coming across the border, but it's become an opportunity for people from Middle Eastern countries, from Asian countries, from uh, African countries, are trying to find their way to come across the border when they felt it was an open border. You've had to address all of these things in the midst of a very challenging time. And yet churches like yourself and others have stepped it up and said, okay, God, this is not the way we expected it, but we want to make sure the light of Christ and the gospel goes forth in the midst of this crisis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, when I look at the landscape of America, you know, in many places, and I think you would agree, there's a mission field. 
Like we don't have to go. And I'm not saying we shouldn't go to Africa, India, China. I think we need to. And I think people are called to that. But the reality is, in our case, that our backyard is our mission field. I mean, we have people living all around us who need Jesus coming from third world countries illegally and some of them legally. Right. And so regardless of your stance on legal or illegal immigration, immigration reform, and we are for you know, secure borders, obviously, as Hispanics and as a Mexican descendant. Uh, most of the Hispanic people I know living in the U.S. are for secure borders and think that people should have a legal pathway, right, to citizenship. But the reality is, you know, people are circumventing the system. Our immigration system is broken, as many people already know. So we can't help but to do what we can with those who are here and those who are coming. And so, yes, we're seeing these children, these teenagers being saved by the hundreds. And again, you know, we want them to leave with the message. We're trying to put Bibles in their hands, much needed resources, whatever we can do. There are certain things that we can and cannot do. There are certain things that we can and cannot give. And so they're allowing us in this case to give them Bibles. So to me, that's probably one of the best gifts that we can give these children as they go on their way and continue their journey. And I pray that the seed of the gospel that never comes back void will take it root. Amen. It's the window of opportunity. Uh, That's right. Our testimony, I believe. I've been obviously over the many, many years, a lot of relationships there in the Valley. And you made another good point, And that is that so many have listened to the fodder of media or, or Washington and many people making decisions have never even been down there. Yeah. Or if they do, they come get a photo op. But if you hang out in the valley and talk to people of Hispanic descent, people are frustrated, too, because their lives are being disrupted by this constant political bantering. And so it's not as easy for people to understand unless they've been there and know people that live there on the border saying, look, we're for secure borders. And, you know, my wife's family immigrated here decades and decades ago. My wife was born here in Texas. And yet... They're for secure borders. They're frustrated also. So it's it's not as easy. You know, we used to call it the complexity of, <laughs> of having to address uh, immigration reform. Yeah. But, and it's true. But sadly, too many of our politicians don't want to really address it at the real hard issue and make changes. It's kicking the can down the road, as we used to say. Yeah, so, exactly. But I really appreciate that you have taken opportunity to, as a church and a congregation, to continue to minister the gospel in the midst of this very challenging time. Thank you for that. Appreciate just our being acquainted together. And of course, you're doing some leadership conference as well. But before we get into that, are you from uh, McAllen? Are you from the Valley? And what caused you to start the congregation that you did, which originally was Valley International Christian Center, now called Cross Church? I'm originally from the Valley. We have churches, campuses throughout the Valley from Brownsville to McAllen and everywhere in between. So we're in all three counties. Uh, by God's grace and mercy, we've become the largest, fastest growing church in the history of the Rio Grande Valley. Wow. And so we've existed for 28 years. I started the church when I was 20 years old. Wow. Don't ask me what I was thinking because I wasn't. <laughs> 
it was a step of faith. You know, my wife and I, I was already married at the time. So I got married at 18 and my wife and I started doing ministry even before while we were dating, we were already doing ministry. So it was a divine, you know, kingdom connection between her and I. And so I started the church when I was 20 in our living room going on 28 years. And so here we are all these years later, we become a phenomenal, amazing church, life-giving church that's impacting the entire region and beyond. And, uh, you know, we want to help pastors. We're helping leaders. We're traveling. We just got back from Costa Rica. Uh, we'll be in Mexico here in a couple of months. Uh, we've been invited to so many different countries, mostly Latin America, to go and share the message and go help the local church because our life, at least for the past two, three decades, has been dedicated to helping build the local church and equip the local pastor to do what God has called him or her to do. And that's what I've dedicated, aside from being a senior pastor here at Cross Church, five campuses, over 3,000 members that we serve on a weekly, regular basis. You know, we also serve a dozen or so pastors throughout the nation who are trying to do what God called them to do and have an impact in their cities and in their communities. When you started the church, what was your journey up into that point? Did you grow up in the church? Did you have a, an experience with the work of the cross, power of the resurrection and Jesus? Mm -hmm. Or were you born into a Christian family? And what was part of your journey? Yeah, I grew up in the church. Uh, by the time I was born, my parents had already converted. They were Catholics and they had converted over to Christianity. You know, the Hispanic community is made up mostly of Catholics. And so I have a lot of Catholic relatives. We have a lot of Catholics, professing Catholics that actually come to our church and they belong to our church and they feel very comfortable in our church. We welcome everybody and it's a come as you are but I got saved at the age of 16. So although I was raised in church and I knew about God, I didn't know God intimately. I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I had a personal relationship with the church and with the people from the church, but not with the God of the church, you mm -hmm. know? And so at the age of 16, I gave my life to the Lord. I was radically saved in a service. And at the age of 17, I started preaching. So the night I was saved, I was called to preach. I didn't know what that was, what that looked like. And so, but at the age of 17, I started pursuing my purpose, preaching in schools, preaching to my friends, preaching on street corners, preaching at churches, youth groups, Bible studies, youth camps, wherever I got the opportunity, I just wanted to share the word of God. And all I wanted to do until this day is see people saved. Amen. And Amen. so I, I have I have the position of a pastor, but I have the spirit of an evangelist. And so people sometimes, that. yeah, people sometimes say, what are you doing as a pastor? I said, I don't know, but, you know, this is where God has me. But, you know, I love the Lord and I have a passion to see the law saved. And so when Cross Church started, which was formerly known as Valley International Christian Center, uh, and we changed the name simply because it has the word valley. And God spoke to us some years back and said, I'm going to take you beyond the valley. And I said, well, that word valley right in our name is not going to make sense once we're in San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, and who knows where else. 
And so I said, we need to change the name of the church. And God gave us the name Cross Church. He said, I'm going to take you across the nation and around the world. And so we we adopted the name Cross Church. So we say we're cross-denominational. We're cross-generational. So we started the church when I was 20, like I said, in our living room. And just with a desire to see souls saved. That's all we wanted. We were not wanting to build a big church. Uh, we were not thinking about mega church or mega ministry. We just wanted to see souls saved. And slowly but surely, people started getting saved. We started discipling those people. Those people started saving people, their friends, their family members. And, you know, we've grown, like I said, for the past 20 something years. Uh, it's been slow but steady growth to now where we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who call Cross Church home. Beyond the valley, when you said that, I thought, that's a great message, living life <laughs> on the valley of life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've done a series on that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I also realize that we have a mutual friend because you serve uh, as a board member of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, our friend, Dr. Sammy Rodriguez. Uh-huh. So, uh, how did you get involved with Sammy and, and the uh, the NHC LSC? You know, Pastor Sammy and I go way, way back. Uh, I've always had an admiration for him. This is before the NHCLC was ever born, was ever started. And, you know, we were blowing and going here at the church. The church was, you know, exploding. And we finally had the opportunity to invite Pastor Sammy to come and preach. And if anybody has ever heard Pastor Sam preach, you won't forget it. He's a fiery preacher, right? And uh, anointed man of God, good friend. And so we invited him to come and preach. And we just connected and we became friends. And that was almost 20 years ago. So right about that time, the NHCLC was barely just the brainchild, if you will, in the heart of Pastor Sam. And he shared the vision with me and others and says, this is what I feel from the Lord, that Mm. we need to bring together some type of coalition where Mm. we can unite the Hispanic church in America, right, and become a voice for the Hispanic church in the United States. And so I bought into that. And like I said, I go way back with Pastor Sam, with the NACLC, and uh, and still continue to serve uh, where I can. Uh, up till this day. And so, and so, uh, yeah, I've been on that board for basically since the inception of the organization. I remember he had called me, this is before COVID. And when things were really starting to heat up on the border there and uh, he asked if I would go and, and, and have some prayer time on the border right there near McAllen. Sure. You were probably involved in that. And so I remember uh, quite a few people coming down and spending time to really pray through that process and praying for both sides of the border, praying for the border patrol, praying for the the, the very uh, precarious situation for so many, as you said, you have border patrol in your in your congregation and uh, they've been trained to do a job and they were not able to, their hands are being tied and it's very sure. frustrating. The work you're doing is very important. So what you know, when you, we talked about you doing some leadership conferences, because I do too, you know, even what we do, I believe working to and through local churches and ministries, because when the media leaves and, and even large agencies leave and from crisis or disaster relief, 
the ones that are there that need the equity is the local churches and the pastors and the ministries who know their community. And oftentimes when the media leaves and the attention leaves to go on to the next story, there's still a vacuum there that we need to encourage and empower the local pastors to continue to be those who reach out to their community and give them the resource capacity to do so. And, and I've seen that your heart has been for raising up leaders, encouraging them. You know, we've seen a vacuum of courageous and, and godly and persevering leadership in the last few years. And in fact, some statistics say, you know, uh, 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month just in the U.S. Another says mm -hmm. 1,700. Another says it's over 2,000 now. Regardless of the exact numbers, we know there is a vacuum and a crisis. And so what you're doing to empower uh, pastors and these leadership conferences, I think, are very important. You have some that you've been doing and, and some more that are coming up. Uh, share a little bit about how God gave you this heart to do these leadership conferences. Well, Doug, thank you for this opportunity because, you know, I, I bleed leadership and especially for the local pastor in the Hispanic community, as you may or may not know, there is a huge vacuum and a huge void of resources. And so I've spoken to Pastor Sam about this. I've spoken to Sam Chan about this. I've spoken to John Maxwell personally about this. These are people who are friends of mine, who I'm sure are friends of yours. And we just lack in the Hispanic community, primarily the resources and that we need the tools that we need to reach the fastest growing demographic in the United States. And I want that to sink in. A lot of people, I don't think they realize the opportunity, right, that they have and what's at stake. The Hispanic community is the fastest growing demographic in the United States, right? The minority that in time to come will probably most likely be the majority. And so I think, you know, we need to do a better job reaching out to our uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters and so what I've done, I've created a leadership conference, and it was really based on a need and a cry. I, I didn't have at, you know, when I was pastoring uh, some years ago, I can, I am still a pastor today, but I was focusing on that. I wasn't focusing on being a pastor to pastors. I was just focusing on pastoring my own local church, but I had a lot of pastors due to our growth and due to the recognition that we were receiving from such outlets as Outreach Magazine and Leadership Network. And we were recognized by various organizations because of the work that we were doing and the growth that we were experiencing. And so I started having pastors reach out to me from all over the U.S. saying, hey, how can we do what you're doing? How can we have that same impact in our community? And so we did a small little conference that we called RE, and it's just RE with the colon. So it's like when you're replying to an email. So this is my response. This was my reply. I said, look, guys, we're going to have a small conference. If you're interested in coming, go ahead and come. But we had 500 pastors and leaders show up. Wow. No promotion just basically word of mouth and maybe just a bit of social media. We did not understand at that point in time, the, uh, the big opportunity and the need that was before us. 
And so we did it again the following year. We had 800. We did it again, 1,000. We did it again, 1,200. The last one we did pre-pandemic was 1,500 plus pastors and leaders, over 100 churches represented from all over the United States and from Central and South America who came to our, I say little church, right? Because nobody knows this right here in San Benito, Texas. And they came from everywhere to learn, to be refreshed, to be revived, and to be equipped to do what God called them to do at the highest level. And we have received so many testimonies. We have seen literally pastors restored, marriages restored, ministries restored. We've seen pastors literally explode from, you know, less than 100 people to three, four, five, six, seven, 800 people. We've seen churches that are part of our network, our, uh, a little network that I, that I oversee, grow from 200 to 1,000 in a matter of two, three years. And all they really need is the right tools and, and the right encouragement, right? Yeah. The right equipment and the right encouragement. And so our pastors and leaders conference that you mentioned, we're taking it on the road. First time ever, we're taking it out of our valley, out of the region. We're going beyond our valley and we're going to San Antonio the Alamo city. So if there's anyone listening who knows anybody, or maybe perhaps can drive or live anywhere near the San Antonio area, we'll be there this year of 2022, September 15th through the 17th. We have some phenomenal speakers. We have a, a musical group that's going to be uh, helping us with the worship. And we're just expecting to have a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. And it's going to all happen right there downtown San Antonio at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center at the Lila Cockrell Theater, which is the nicest theater that they offer. And we're going to, it's going to be a bilingual conference. I, I do want to say that because we have promos going out in English and in Spanish. And that's one of the unique things about our ministry is everything we do is bilingual. Our website is bilingual. Our message is bilingual. Our materials are bilingual. I'm bilingual. I preach bilingual. I, I self-translate. I don't even wow. use a translator. I wow. translate myself. Yo mismo me traduzco. So when I preach, cuando yo predico, I don't use a translator. No uso yo traductor. I just go straight forward. Yo me meto and I preach the word of God. Les predico la palabra de Dios. And I tell them, you know, the gospel. Les digo del evangelio. So I'm inviting everybody. Estoy invitando a todos for them to join me. Que nos acompañen there in September, en septiembre, in San Antonio, in San Antonio, September 15th through the 17th, el 15 al 17 de septiembre. And that's how we do it. Brother Doug. Wow. I, I wish I could do it that way. My <laughs> wife has to be my interpreter when I go to Latin American countries. Yeah. yeah people um, get a kick when I preach bilingual. You know, I'm kind of going back and forth and they're like, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm listening to two different people, but uh, but people love it. Well, I'm, I'm really enjoying our conversation. I could we could talk a lot more. But one of the things that struck me is back in the 80s, a friend of mine had the same heart. And he had at that time been working with Nikki Cruz. And then he also worked with Christian Men's Network, where I first met uh, John Arana, and he's pastoring in the mm. Dallas area. And his heart really was similar. He wanted to see excellence in ministry, especially in the Hispanic community for pastors, to help them to go from 
one place to another with excellence and to be able to have the tools you said to succeed. And, and so John actually was on staff with me for a time. And of course, he was consulting a lot with uh, Cancion, with uh, with Marcos Witt. So to see you, this generation, really, you, you said you're pa- senior pastor, but you have the heart of the spirit of an evangelist. <laughs> Sounds to me, you really are in a very a lot of ways like the the Apostle James. It's an apostolic work, but you're functioning with this heart of evangelism. You're teaching by your very lifestyle and example. You're you're pastoring and stewarding congregations, but you're also uh, I think really doing the work of pioneering in ways that uh, maybe you didn't set out to do, but that you're functioning in the whole fivefold ministry gift. And I'm not trying to to say that that's like something really unique, but it is in some regard because mm. some people feel stuck. Like, well, which one of the fivefold ministry gifts am I? Some people have to interchange and function in all five because it really is an apostolic work, even though you're driven by a heart for souls for people to be saved to be ministered to, to find healing and hope, but also to help empower and, and leverage other pastors to be able to do the same. I mean, I could not have said that better. Uh, that's how I feel, you know, that there's an apostolic anointing and calling over our life. And, you know, we, by God's grace and mercy, can flow and function, I feel, in any one of the five offices when needed. You know, we, we, we save souls, but we pastor people, we disciple them. You know, we've planted multiple churches and campuses throughout the entire region. We pastor pastors, we've written books, we've written curriculum. I've helped English churches, American churches start Spanish ministries. Mm-hmm. I, I often consult for leadership network and others when it comes to Hispanic communities and Spanish services. And so that's, I love that. That's my element. And I've been doing it. I've been preaching now for 30 years. And so remember, I started young. I started at 17. So, uh, but I've been doing it for quite a while. Wow. Well, I wish I could say I was still young. I mean, I feel young. (laughs) uh, I'll be 50 for the 16th time in a couple of years. Uh, Well, you look great. Well, it must be it must be in my my Asian genes or something. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> so, Jaime, it's, thank you so much for being with us today. If there any is any final thoughts you administer to a leader or to someone going through challenges, is there something that you could share to encourage others to say, look, even in the successes by God's grace that we have and we walk in in the steward, that there has been unexpected detours where the net the wind could have been knocked out of us. And so have there been an area of your life where over these last 30 years of ministry that the enemy tried to, to knock you out, to get to redirect you, to disillusion you so you would not walk in the calling God's given you? Because we see the successes, but to get there, sometimes there are valleys and you have to find a way beyond the valley. Yeah, no, for sure. One thing I would like to add Doug, really quick is because there might be somebody who's listening, right, who wants more information, whether it be about the conference or about our ministry, and they can look us up right at Jaime Loya or crosschurchonline.com. If they want information on the conference happening in September in San Antonio, they can register or they can just log on to just see who we are and what we're about. But yeah, I don't I don't know any pastor who hasn't had his battles, his bouts, whether it be temptation, whether it be depression, whether it be you know, there's highs and there's lows. 
And that's something that we all need to get used to, you know, and we need to understand that the God of the valley is the God of the mountain mm. and the God of the mountain is God still even in the valley. And so I was born and raised here in the valley. And sometimes I feel many times like we're still in a valley. You know, we're doing this great work for God that nobody knows about. And we got to be okay with that. At the end of the day, I think we need to accept the fact that we're doing what we're doing for an audience of one. Mm. And we might not get the applause of man, but we're going to get our reward in heaven. And as long as we keep our eyes on Christ and our desire is to please him and him alone, I think that's the motivation we need to continue when we feel like giving up because you're going to have many chances to give up. I want to just encourage somebody today that their breakthrough and their victory is just on the other side of that feeling of giving up. Mm. And so sometimes you're just one step away. You're just one week away. You're just one, you know, battle away from seed ultimate victory in your life. And you're never going to know what God was going to do with you if you give up now. What would you say in final thoughts and closing? Well, I think one of the things that often encourages me, to be honest, and I'm not just saying this, but people like yourself, people who've been doing ministry, uh, for quite a while, and they're still moving forward. You know, I listen to podcasts all the time. I listen to sermons all the time. You know, as much as I give, I need to take in. And so, you know, any leader, pastor, minister, church member, even maybe a regular person listening to this podcast, that's probably one of the best things they can do. Because something you said, something I said, something that was said is going to be the fuel that they need to go that extra mile. And so I just want to encourage people to continue to put one foot in front of the other. Don't lose faith in God. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. No matter what we see on TV, no matter what we hear on the news, you know, just continue to believe the Bible. And at the end of the day, we're going to see he's going to work it all out. Amen. Share how they can get a hold of you or to find out more about the ministry there at Cross Church. Sure. They can find us online. They can look my name up, Pastor Jaime Loya, and they can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or they can just simply look up our church at Cross Church online, Cross Church RGV, which is real Grandy Valley. But our website is crosschurchonline.com. So I'm sure they'll see me. I'm sure they'll hear me. They might recognize the voice. Uh, but yeah, we, we just invite and encourage people to visit us online. And if nothing else, attend the conference in September. If you have not gone to any conference, I'm telling people this is more than a conference. This is a revolution. I believe with all my heart that this is going to be a historic pivotal moment for many in attendance, especially for the Hispanic church in America. So I really want everyone who's able to be present.
Wonderful. Why don't you close us in prayer? Sure. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for this time that we've shared together, Lord. And we just pray that something that was said would be the seed, would be the spark that people need to go that extra mile, Lord God, to reach and extend, Lord God, and take that which belongs to them. I thank you for my brother, Doug, and for what he's doing. And I ask blessings upon his ministry, his initiatives, and his endeavors, Lord God. And I pray that you would increase the impact that he is having the impact, Lord God, in the reach of this podcast, and that you would once again bless every single supporter, bless every single donor, bless every single person who is listening, and all those who are watching. And we pray this in the matchless, majestic name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.